0: Hello, talk-winning minds of young Americans, let's discuss. Welcome to the Forge and Anvil podcast, where we embrace uncomfortable conversations about culture and politics to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. My name is Connor, I am host of this podcast, and if you would like to support the show, you can go to forgeandanvil.locals.com, again, that is forgeandanvil.locals.com, Dot com. Joining us today, we have our guest, Matt Hole. Matt, feel free to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, my name is Matt. I currently work in hospice. I do marketing. Um, my background, my bachelor's degree is from Purdue University uh, in communication. Um, I then went to uh, seminary where I received my master's in divinity, did some time in admissions work, um, have done some extensive counseling training and training the people to be counselors. Um, and then, of course, a lot of emphasis in youth ministry, preaching and teaching.
0: Awesome. And of course, joining us as always is co-host Zach of Zach, feel free to say hi.
2: Hey, 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 it's your pal Zach, singer, songwriter, guitar player extraordinaire. Zach of all music on the Instagram. Zach of on YouTube just did a video teaching music by using horror movie theme songs. So check that out.
0: Awesome. All righty. Well, we're going to dive straight into our story. So, this is from the New York Post How TikTok has become a dangerous breeding ground for mental disorders. A new group of social media stars are surging on TikTok, mental health influencers. Most of them are teen girls and young women who post videos of themselves experiencing symptoms like Tourette's, ticks, or rapid switches from one personality to another due to borderline personality disorder. Others, often without any medical credentials, post videos that help viewers self-diagnose their own mental conditions. These videos are getting billions of views on TikTok alone. The hashtag BPD, borderline personality disorder, has 3.7 billion views. Hashtag bipolar, 2 billion. And hashtag DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, another 1.5 billion. Recently, psychologists have noticed a wave of adolescent girls also claiming to suffer from Tourette Syndrome and rare mental health conditions such as borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia, conditions not typically seen in the teen demographic. And a common denominator between many of these symptomatic girls has been identified, consuming mental health content on TikTok. After nearly two years of lockdowns and school closures, lonely teens are spending more time online and many inevitably come across mental health content on TikTok. When they do, the platform's algorithm kicks in, serving suggestible young girls even more videos on the topic. While mental health awareness is surely a good thing, well-meaning influencers are inadvertently harming young, impressionable viewers, many of whom seem to be incorrectly self-diagnosing with disorders or subtly manifesting symptoms because they are now aware of them. So Matt, we'll go ahead and start with you, but uh, after after going through that article, what are your initial thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing I think about um, is, is just how easy it is to influence someone when it's on a mass platform, whether it's social media or some kind of Um, news outlet. When I first went to uh, college, I actually was studying to be in newspaper media. And we actually had uh, an ethics class that described what would you do in a situation where a well-known public figure committed suicide? Um, And they said, the reason why we ask is because there's actually research that shows substantially more people will commit suicide in the exact same way when that information becomes public. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are people, of course, that I think have issues and struggles But then I think there is some, you know, if you want to say copycat, there's some ways that people, I think, are seen by that, influenced by that, and replicate it, whether it's actually intentional or subconscious. I'm not sure, but I think it does influence people just when they have that mass-produced idea that this is something normative.
0: Yeah. Zach, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it speaks to a lot. I mean, I know that, TikTok is kind of one of the more popular ones. But before that, uh, maybe not more than a few years ago, um, it was Instagram um, where um, I was giving specifically young women. um, They were um, developing body dysmorphia and things like that and dealing with anorexia and, and believe me, and and horrible things. Um, And so I I think, you know, to to Matt's point, it is something to do with just the, the platform that, that, people choose to to be on um, in, in the content that um, the algorithms and things like that feed them. Um, I mean, it was a little disturbing to read about just, I mean, specifically here with TikTok, um, the, uh, these mental health influencers there um, claiming to have, and I, it's be, I would hope that it's, you know, a misunderstanding of what's their own mental health rather than them Purposely, you know, portraying these characteristics um, characteristics or negative side effects of some of these um, illnesses and things like that. Um, I do think that's also um, something that is somewhat prevalent and that I've been noticing the last couple of years is people um, diagnosing themselves incorrectly or noticing that there's something off about their behavior. Let's say, and then rather than going and seeing a qualified mental health professional um they're going to TikTok, facebook things like that for their information rather than consulting with qualified health professionals
0: yeah absolutely and matt i know you have a lot more of um, actual academic background within counseling whereas you know zach and i are just two guys on the internet um you know but uh maybe you could speak a little bit to um you know some of your experience and what actual um academics behind some of the counseling looks like? And um, I mean, are you concerned when you hear these trends of individuals going and getting advice from um, influencers on social media?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always concerning when you realize that most of the people's education is simply just exposure. So they feel that because they have some kind of contact with it, that they've been educated and then now are educators. And so there's just a danger in that of You know, misusing a tool, for instance, if you had a construction worker that just one day decided he wanted to be a crane operator because he'd seen it been worked, you know, you you cause huge panic and problems and issues just because they make assumptions, they attempt, and then it just shows there's so much consequence. I think the real ramification comes when these people are saying they have these disorders and you have psychologists or clinical people that just based off of self-diagnosis affirm what they have come to believe. And when I was actually in seminary, we had a counseling training class with several, I mean, PhD, MDs, ODs, um, doctorates of, of, or just all kinds of different doctorates that practice medicine. And they'd done it for 30 or 40 years. And so they would talk about, you know, we have the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of uh, Psychology. Now it's the fifth version, but they would talk about first, second, and third versions. And so they said, you know, as, as young people doing our clinicals, we were talking about diagnosing somebody with depression or multiple personality disorder. And, you know, we, they just basically one day walked us through a psych ward and told us what it was and said, well, now you're qualified to diagnose. Here's a book. And if you read it and you can make some good ascertain, you can basically make a a guess that this is what it is. And then of course, psychology was, was brought in after that. So I think it's, it's not an exact science. I think that's always the, the hard thing with psychology is it's not precise. It is a lot of based on observations. I mean, the three of us right now, if we looked at a painting, we'd have completely different observations. And so you look at a person who's far more complex than a painting, and it does. It gets very difficult.
0: Yeah. And now, obviously, we've been hearing a lot that social media has led to a rise in mental health disorders. And this article obviously spoke a lot to that. Um, how much of this do you think is legitimate health disorders as opposed to um, kids just wanting to fit in or you know maybe people jumping the gun on giving themselves some self-diagnosis what's your take on that
1: I think it could go both ways again that's where it's so difficult you get the mixed in of people who can walk the the same walk but deep in their hearts you know it's not necessarily something they're actually struggling with it's just something that I think has almost been glorified. I mean, if you think about like um, DID, dissociative identity disorder, you know, Fight Club in the the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was um, insomnia and and mental disorder was almost intriguing, entertaining. And you have Moon Knight now, a superhero who also has multiple personalities, but they're all used for good. Uh, Whereas in real life, if you see people who actually struggle with this, it is so damaging. It is so painful, so difficult. Um, they're not effective members of society that could build these huge empires or, or stop major problems from happening. Um, they're just completely aloof. They're completely outside of reality. So I think one of the things is if you see these people that are doing well, they're able to hold a job, they're able to be, you know have good relationships, they're probably not actually struggling from the mental disorders, depending upon, of course, what the mental disorder is that they're claiming.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I noticed another theme as well between both the article as well as what you know Zach said from his own anecdotal um, experience. But the article did primarily focus in on um, on teenage girls, especially. Um, So I am curious, Matt, um, because I, I would be inclined to believe that this is something that can affect men as well. But do you feel like there is a um, separation between the female mind and the male mind with who's more susceptible? um, Or we just, you know, do we have different weaknesses? Um, You know, what's your take on some of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, we'd go back to Genesis and talk about, you know, how God created man and woman very differently. Um, man has a different role than woman. And I think that it's easy to talk about those different roles and assume that one is superior or inferior based upon what role they play, which I think is just an absolute ridiculous observation. It's not true at all. Um, Both are absolutely necessary. Both have certain things that are um, vital to the other person surviving and thriving. And so I think that the female, of course, was designed to be more led, to be led by the male. And that does not mean that she does not have leadership capabilities. That does not mean that she has lack of intelligence. Um, I think it's just a way that God designed for that complementary role to function. Um, Some men, obviously, are a little bit more secondary. They don't want to take a leading role. They don't want to be the person who's up front making all the decisions. That doesn't mean that he's feminine. Um, That just means that he has a, a different desire and a different stimulus for encouraging or being rewarded to take those kinds of steps. I think as a culture, we really have kind of given women rewards for being led. And so that, I think, plays a lot into when they're teens, they've been led, they've been guided, they've been told they need to be protected. I think in some ways they've been sheltered. Um, And so they've been given protection from having to be influenced and struggle with that influence. Whereas, you know, boys are more trained to do what you're supposed to do, be a man, stand up, fight back. Um, women are not really trained to fight back as much. And I think that this is one of those mental battlegrounds where they need to fight back. They need to have a strong sense of who they are and what their role is in culture. And I think the struggle is they've they been looking for that their whole life. You know, God has given it in the Bible and given them direction, but then the world has so many options and so many counter ideas. And I think mental health is just one of the new ones. You know, when I grew up, it was being a Victoria's Secret model and having a completely unnatural body type that now, of course, women are completely fighting against.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So you think it's maybe just a different vice for a different generation?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I don't think there's really anything new under the sun. I think for men, we have the same things. Um, we we're taught that we should be successful. And so then, of course, when we're taught to be successful a certain way, like go to college and be a good boy and And if you obey, you'll get a a promotion and and get into the next step. But then we realize, you know, somebody else can do it completely differently and they're actually making even far more money. And so then we change directions. We go to something new. Uh, So it's all, I think, again, it's, we, we learn from reward a lot. We really do learn from what we want and how to get it. And then of course there's also consequences. What keeps us from the thing that we want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Zach, I know, um, you had, uh, I, I believe you may have um, had some thoughts regarding uh, Matt's comment about um, women being insulated. Um, you seem to have uh, an intrigued look upon your face, so I wanted to give you a chance to respond to that if you had something. Sure.
2: Yeah, it's something I hadn't quite considered from from that angle, but it makes sense. I mean, for sure, I think um, it, it, there is men and women are susceptible to, to pressures and things like that on social media. The, the pressures are different. Um, and he outlines some of those there, but yeah, I mean, there is, and I don't think it's unique to just women and, and young girls. I think there is this sort of, um, I guess, inaccurate well experience repressed upon lots of people from different backgrounds Um, where, um, they're either seen as somebody that needs to be protected, um, or as a victim. And, um, I don't think, or at least from what I've read and seen, the, uh, socioeconomic and historical information doesn't seem to line up with a lot of that. Um, so it's very interesting to me to, to see that kind of play out. Um,
0: line up with what specifically?
2: So, um, for example, um, not to get too far off topic, but I think about um, how specifically at the Black community um, during you know with these protests and things and, and over police violence and things like that, where um, they're taught almost from from birth that they're the victim um, and that they're on, on and in some cases there's a lot of truth to that, um, but by no means is that always the case every single time um and that you do have oper you have um you do have agency um you can you can break out of of that mold um I think the time you know the world of today is a lot different than the world of our parents generation that's all I mean to say so the pressures are different yes um but solutions to past problems are also present with us as well. Um, does, does that make a little bit more sense?
0: Yeah, I think I understand what you're, okay. what you're driving at. Um, I mean, Matt, do you feel like um, we have a victim, like a, a culture that really um, encourages uh, wanting to play the victim?
1: Well, I think as humans, we have an innate desire to create a reality around ourselves that we want to create. And, you know, as a kid, you do that and you realize through just practice that that doesn't work. This reality is actually a fantasy. You know, I, I can't jump off of here and actually fly. I can't lift up mom's car and, and be Superman. Like I, I have to face the reality that that's not going to be true. But I think and when we first decided that we wanted to go against God's reality, when we wanted to do our own thing, We want to create our own reality. We became so deluded that we just couldn't give up on it. Our pride would not let us say that this isn't right. And so I think you have to come to some kind of way of explaining away why your reality doesn't work. If this isn't a a fantasy, I believe that this is real. So I have to come to some explanation to basically make me understand and accept why I feel the way I do. And so I think everyone's different. You have people who are angry about it. They fight. They're saying, everybody's my enemy. Everybody's against me. When you look at it, and they've had so many people that have tried to help them, so many people try to support them. Or you look at the people, of course, who were victimized. They feel that I'm a victim. Everything's not my fault. Everything's been done to me. But then you see, like, well, no, you have so many opportunities to take control, to do something, to actually act out. Um, And so, you know, if you're a victim, you don't have that. You don't have the ability to speak up. Your voice is not heard. Now, I think of, like, Tamar, the rape of Tamar, where the brother who of course avenged her and murdered all these men basically shut her up and told her to go away. And we're never going to hear from her again. And literally that's the end of her story. She is completely victimized, completely isolated and completely voiceless. So I think that mm-hmm. we feel that way because our reality doesn't match up with a fantasy that we want it to be.
0: Hmm. So, you know, that I, I think that there's going to be people that listen to this podcast and they, um, they might they might see maybe that we're driving at the idea of pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, and um, you know I think that there are people that would say that that's unhealthy. Um, there are people that would say that that's exactly the remedy that we need in today's culture. Um, so Matt, how would how would you um, what would you say is a healthy balance of of um, recognizing when um, traumatic things have maybe happened to you, um, but as well as recognizing when it is time to sort of um, Take some of that agency into your own hands.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the Bible's ripe with the idea that pulled up by your bootstraps only works when you have done something wrong and you have the ability to repent. Hmm. Like for, that, for Job, for instance, that's what his friends were telling him constantly. Job, you're doing everything wrong. If you just try harder, if you're just less dumb, then you'd, your life would be so much better. They didn't have a category for innocent suffering. And that's really what people want to understand is, you know, I can't pick myself up by my bootstraps when I had so much trauma as a child. And I think that's where you have to have a category for innocent suffering and you have to help people work through trauma. Hmm. But then, of course, you do have the people who there is no trauma. There is no struggle. It is literally just they don't have what they want. And they thought if I could whine and complain enough, then I could get it. And those are the people you say you can repent. You can actually change. That's the you can pick yourself up by your bootstraps. But through all that, you still have to recognize I'm still a sinner st- stuck in my own sin, and I'm dead to do anything. And so I need I need help. I need something to give me life and give me motivation to change. And that's not going to be will. That's not going to be motivation that comes from self. I mean, that has to be literally just from the spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's complex. I think each individual um, is sometimes a mixture of all of those things, and it's. It's easy to try to boil it down into like an archetype, but nobody's an the archetype. There's no such thing as a person who's an archetype. We're all complex memories of history, struggle, success. And so I think really just getting to know a person, loving them. I mean, that's really what I think people need most. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And when it comes to, you know, you know, you've, you've been weaving in and out, um, different biblical narratives into our conversation. Um, I think that, um, psychology is an interesting field when it comes to mixing psychology with theology or even just the church at large. Um, and obviously you're someone that has a background in both. Um, so I'm curious, what do you think that is the healthy relationship between psychology and a believer, um, as well as, um, you know, the relationship between, um, psychology and how it's used in the church. Oh yeah,
1: I don't I don't think they should be enemies. I don't think that somebody should say um which I've heard um that everything's a spiritual issue, there's no such thing as a physical struggle. It's the mental stuff is just spiritual demonic some kind of thought that you need to repent of. I think there are literal physical issues that science has proven cause a harder understanding of your reality. And so if you deny that, if you completely ignore that um, you're not meeting the need that God has actually presented. And I think that comes from pride. That comes from just, that's how I want it to be. On the opposite side, of course, you have, well, you know, scripture has its place, which is the spiritual, but then psychology is, of course, superior when it comes to mind and understanding how the brain functions. Um, I think that's taken it a step too far. You know, that's where you get into, like, evolution, the scientific, what people would say is fact of evolution, where statistically you'd see it's actually an impossibility. Uh, it's a theory for a reason, and that's because st- statistically evolution has zero chance of actually working simply based on mathematics. Um, so you, you kind of have those back and forth fighting, um, but I think a lot of the health changes, health improvements, health great things have been in the past 200 years have sometimes come from science going against the church giving the science the freedom to explore and learn. Um, and for me, I think the more that science explores God's creation, the more beauty, the more awesomeness they're going to find. But then, of course, how we use those things has to be looked through a biblical lens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so would you say that you view psychology as just a one of many tools that, um, say, a pastor can try to acquire to put in his tool belt to better minister to his flock?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's something, you know, um, for instance, cocaine used to be something used for headaches. Um, mm. not the best medication that I would take right now if I had a headache. Um, but obviously it had some kind of utility. Um, the same thing with with psychology. I think there's some things that may look like they're helping now, um, but they may actually be more problematic than helpful, and so you just have to be careful. Mm. So I would say avoid it. I wouldn't say demonize it for sure. Um, but I wouldn't say accept everything, be very critical, be very careful. Um And definitely don't trample on anybody that's that's had help from it. I think Mm. that's one thing, too, that that biblical counseling has a bad reputation of, which isn't true, um, that we just don't want to accept that psychology could help somebody. Mm. Um, I think there are things that, you know, God gives common grace to everybody, and he gives the ability to help. And sometimes you should just be thankful for that and encourage that rather than say, well, if that didn't come from me, then that wasn't good enough. Mm.
0: And what would you say would be an example of psychology being used in an unhealthy way?
1: Um, I think, honestly, <laughs> I could get a lot of flack for this one. So you're really giving me a good question for this. Um, I really think that the idea of introvert and extroverts mm-hmm. um, are too simple. I think it's something that has been believed and accepted for a long time that, you know, I get energy from being introverted, from being by myself, or I get energy from being extroverted by being around people. Um, I think that's really boiling people down into two separate categories when, you know, I, I would call myself extremely introverted. Like, I wanted to live in Alaska and be a trapper and, and be in the city, like, three days out of the year. Like, that's what my goal in life was. Um, but now, being around people and helping them, that gives me energy. So, naturally, I'm an introvert, but then I've seen the beauty of being an extrovert. I feel like I'm stuck. Like, I don't know which one I am. And I think it comes down to, you know, if I'm introverted, I have more of a selfish tendency of fear of judgment of other people judging me. Whereas if I'm extroverted, I have a selfish need for other people to approve of me. And so I'm just longing for that approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I think that could be something that the people would be happy to disagree with me on and I would not, uh, I would not
0: fall for it. Yeah. And Zach, you looked like you maybe had some issue with that. So I'm, I'd love for you to oh, respond to that. And um, yeah, I mean, over to I
2: sure. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't quite ever heard that challenge, so it's a, a new thing to, to consider, but I d- definitely think that there is something to be said for that. Right, um, because there are lots of people like Matt who don't really feel like they're introverted or or extroverted. I mean, it is something, though, that you can test for. I did do a personality test and it turns out I am extroverted, but not as extroverted as I think I am. Um, so, I mean, there are things like that. And even just within those categories, there's a, a broad spectrum there as well. Um, so nobody's ever, you know, to, to Matt's point, I don't think anybody is ever like hundred percent extroverted or a hundred percent introverted. I think if those people do exist, they're pretty hard to find for a reason. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be, be said for that. And you can also throughout the course of your life shift, you know, from, from, one one of the spectrum to the other um i've known many people that were introverted that kind of learned how to i guess for lack of a better term and not to disrespect those people but they learned how to play well um with with other people um as as somebody once said uh, you can choose to die alone but you live amongst men or something like that um so every everybody you know needs friends and things like that everybody we're we're designed to be in relationship with each other um, that's how God designed us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think
1: agree. that we agreed. We agreed in concept and our terms are what mm-hmm. what make us uncomfortable. Because I feel like exactly what you said, I agree 100% with, which mm-hmm. is that, that there is a spectrum. And if I think as soon as I tell someone, oh, you're extroverted, then it locks them into that in their mind and mm-hmm. it gives them a label. And it's almost like I've defined a part of their identity. But like you just said, throughout life, that changes. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that's part of my identity. Shouldn't change. It shouldn't be flexible. It should be pretty solid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's a there's so many things that I want to pick your brain about, Matt. Um, but uh, I do want to go back a little bit to our um, to the article. Um, have you noticed, as someone who has um, provided counseling services, have you noticed um, in, in an increase um, specifically with with TikTok as opposed to other social media platforms with the rise of these uh, mental disorders that are being reported?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I would say that I have witnessed it firsthand in the counseling room. Um, I would see that it has become far more of an issue that needs to be talked about and has conferences on and books written about. And I think to me that really says that there's a, a movement happening and there's a counter movement that's responding and so that i can't say that i've seen a lot of it but from peers and other people of course who are in the trenches i can see that their response is proving that that is true that there is just so much push for identity and who am i and mental disorders being just common just being very normative for people
0: yeah and i know something that i've been noticing a a theme on um not so much a theme, more of an unsettling trend, is that um, the suicide rates for men is significantly higher than women. So even though we've talked thus far about some of the, um, you know, the article was going on a lot about how there's a lot of young women that are falling victim to maybe some um, unhealthy uh, trends in mental health due to TikTok or just social media and in culture in general. Um, but You know, there's obviously some missing gaps here when it comes to uh, the mental health of young men. And we have a lot of young men listeners. So I'm curious, Matt, if you if you see, you know, um, any gaping holes in terms of like our care, uh, both whether that be the church or whether that be social programs, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, what what can people do to kind of mitigate some of these um, horrible tragedies?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, you see st- statistically that men do commit suicide at a pretty more alarming rate than females do. And especially when the, when a man makes a comment about it, it should be taken a little bit more seriously because it actually does have a higher rate of actual coming to fruition. Um, what I see, I think, mostly for men is, you know, our purpose really is in in being valuable. And I think that value as a person... Um, is so often tied in our culture to utility. Like, what can I do? What am I able to provide for the culture? Or what am I able to provide for family or for friends or for my work? Um, and I think when that happens, um, and people are fighting, you know, men are, we're really encouraged to go against each other. You know, almost when you meet somebody, you, your first question is, what do you do? And you're almost sizing them up, you know, unconsciously, I think we're trying to figure out like, am I better than you? Do you you make more money than me or you and and then you start to compare yourself and say well am I valuable do I actually have a purpose here because like you know maybe you're 10 years younger than me but your job is really important compared to mine and and your family is doing really well and your kids behave really well like and so you start to doubt you start to doubt your value and so I think men really do start to to fear that they're not valuable and then that of course leads to self-reflection, you start to have these fears that people are thinking all these terrible things about you. Um, But I always go back, every time I've ever counseled somebody through depression, and I feel men really struggle with depression more than women, just from my own experience, the thing I always go back to is, you know, I mean, literally in Colossians it says that the entire world, universe, everything is, is held together by the will of God. And so at any second, if God did not want something to exist, it would not exist. And so I'll tell people, you know, literally right now, God thinks you're worth his energy. The God who's created all of everything, he thinks you are worth his energy to exist. And that's what makes you valuable. Not what you can do, not what you have done, not what you will do, but literally the God who has, he could create anything he wanted. He created you and wants you to exist. So I think people just need to hear that more often. They just need to hear that the value doesn't come from what they can contribute It just comes from the fact that they exist and God is an amazing God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now the idea of purpose, I think is still a huge driving factor for men, especially. And I know I can, I'm speaking to this, um, you know, personally as well from my own experience. Um, and I think, I think we're, um, for me, I felt a struggle, and so I'm I'm speaking, assuming that there's many men that feel the same way, is um feeling a a piece of the i of my identity in Christ, um, but then also feeling like okay, but now how do I apply this? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that still tends to be a struggle for men in terms of that going back to that idea of purpose. So, how would you speak into that a little bit more, uh, you know, in specifics? Um, just because I think that there is probably going to be men that listen to this podcast that feel like they, you know, they're believers, their faith is strong, but they just don't know what to do, and so they still feel like they are maybe stuck in this fog of not feeling like they're contributing. So, um, what would be some practical steps to maybe start to mitigate some of that? Yeah,
1: I think, you know, when you go to practical steps, of course, we're talking to a, a pretty um, diverse audience. You really do have to get principled, and so principled for me, of course. God created all things to the glorify Himself. Um, you know, First Corinthians ten thirty-one. Whether you eat or drink, do all things to the glory of God. Um, so literally, everything you should do should be thought: How can this give glory and honor to God? And so, part of it is, you know, God's a logical God. I love telling people like, you know, God created math and engineering, so like He actually does have logic. It's not all mystic. Nobody understands. There is some mystery. But God's very logical. And so God doesn't expect you to do things that you can't do. That would be unfair. That would be cruel. So God has given you the abilities that you need to meet the needs around you. And so that may not mean that you can meet all the needs, which is why you are in a culture, in a community, in a very diverse body of people. And so you just figure out, how can I glorify God and meet the needs of those around me? And that is who you are. So, like when I became a Christian, I basically said, I want to clean toilets because that's all I'm good to do. I've done too many bad things. I can't figure this out. Uh, basically, God's like, Well, you're going to go to seminary. I was like, I don't want to do that. So, go to seminary, figure out this has actually been amazing. It's really helpful. He says, Okay, do missions. I'm like, That's the one thing I don't want to do is missions. So I was like, Fine, I'll go do missions. Whatever. Okay. Like, all right, I just want to go back to Tennessee. That's where I want to minister to the people who you know, heard the gospel but don't know the gospel. He's like, Go to Washington State. Go get out of there. You're not going anywhere near that. So I said, "Okay, God, I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna serve these people." I guess, okay, move to Tennessee. <laughs> so, needless to say, there's never been a point in my life where I said, "This is what I wanted to do," mm-hmm. but I've also never had a point in my life where I said, "I wish I'd never done this." Mm-hmm. And all that comes from I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing practically daily, except whatever I can to glorify God and help my fellow man. And so I think it comes down to, I, I need to be who other people need me to be. If that means I need to be, you know, kind and nice, or that means I need to be a little strict, a little bit more forceful, or if it means I need to be patient, if it means I need to be a little more convicting, confrontational. Um, I mean, that's the hard part of Christian life is learning how to use words that are gracious to those who are going to hear. So I can't give a like s- specifically practical advice individually except just explore ways that you can express your glorification of God through your personality that helps other people. That's the simplest way I could probably put it.
0: Yeah, that's well put. And, you know, we do live in a culture that is getting increasingly hectic, it would be a a word that I could use. Um, And, you know, there are individuals um, who are very, you know, aware of things going on in the news cycle. Um, I think it's really hard not to be somewhat affected by it, whether that be immediate or, a, you know, um, just the ripple effect. Um, so what would be some um, steps that people could take to make sure that they are, um, are well off in terms of their mental health? What kind of like, you know, maybe, whether that be daily or weekly routines that you think that a person should try to hold to um, be in good mental standing? um you know if you can just give us some of your insight on that
1: oh yeah i think the two things that i would say every every man every man of christ should do um and really every woman too of course but i'm speaking to men because you know that's my specialty because that's the way god created me is one you should find a day of rest and i mean really it's it's as best you can take a time where you're not looking at the news cycle you're not looking at the, the stock market or, or glued to your phone for whatever emails you expect or, um, but spend time with, with your family. It's not just a day of rest, meaning I just, I completely blank out and, and veg over. Like I literally just spend time with people. I just enjoy the people that I'm with. I just, I fellowship with them. I spend time with them. Um, it doesn't even have to be directional. Like it's not like it's going to be a time where you say, we're going to sit down, we're going to study and read. It's really just spend time with people just sit there and enjoy the time with people. And the second thing, and I always, I always forget the, the verse reference, which, you know, bad pastor of me. Um, but there's a proverb that says, a man who hides his transgressions will not prosper. And so the second thing I would say is find a group of men that you are vulnerable with. I mean, literally you talk about who you are, your fears, your sins, and and I think that's so core to us as men that we just we need somebody else just to say, you know what, you're you're not weird. Your your sin and your 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 own identity, everything about you is not abnormal. You're not out there to where you're just alone. And you're like, I, I get that too. Like I struggle with that too. Maybe not that exact way, but you know, I, I struggle too. I have a hard time with that. And just hearing other people say, you know, your sin's normal, your sin is is common to man i think that's first corinthians 10 13 there's no sin that's not common to man um but just some encouragement some some good vulnerable transparent fellowship
0: Hmm. that's awesome yeah well we're running low on time but we really appreciate you giving some of those uh practical um bits of advice because i definitely think that uh, mental health is something that should be taken very seriously and i think it's um it's always good to have a chance to do a, a self-evaluation and make sure that you've got some tools that you can, some ideas you can implement to, um, you know, make sure that you are doing well so that you can serve the kingdom well. So really appreciate um, you joining us, Matt, and giving uh, your thoughts on that. Um, I don't know if you have any social media or anything that you might want to shout out, but um, feel free to to do so. You can let people know where you, where they can find you.
1: Uh, I mean, I've got three kids, so if you want to get on my social media and see my family, you're, you're more welcome to do that. Um, I'm not a huge social media person. My online presence is pretty low, um, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And if, of course, you want to look me up on Facebook or anything, I'm happy to
2: message. And i um, just thankful to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Awesome. And Zach, where can people find you?
2: You can find me on the intergoogles at Zach of All Music on the Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Uh, if you want to see what I'm up to day to day. Creating music, teaching music, and things like that. YouTube um, is going to be a lot of the fruition of that. I just did a video uh, teaching some music concepts using some of my favorite horror movie themes. Uh, Beyond that, I've got an album coming out here Friday, the 14th of October. The way we were, it's a nice uh, stripped down acoustic album. It's the most vulnerable I've ever been in the recorded format. So I hope you check it out.
0: Awesome. There we go, guys. Zach's being vulnerable. We're taking these concepts and we're we're applying them. So awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. This has been the Forge and Anvil podcast. If you want to support the show, you can go to forgeandanvil.locals.com. Thank you so much for listening.